0: Hi, I'm Alex Colici. I'm the CEO of Umail and I'm on the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. So, uh, this is the show where we go around the world and introduce you to some fascinating founders and entrepreneurs uh, so that we can learn from them. And uh, take their lessons into our own businesses and our own journeys. If you're a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, a, an indie developer, an app developer, working on side projects, all of these things, it's highly relevant to you. Listen and stay tuned because this is going to be a great lesson, and particularly focusing on fundraising. So it's a really big topic. In fact, uh, I'm going through um, some struggles with uh, fundraising, uh, with uh uh, Velap, which is an app that uh, I'm partly involved with. And so it's really, uh, I'm really always fascinated to learn how others are doing it. Um, let me introduce to you then uh, our guest today. His name is Adam Barker, and he is the CEO of Magnapass. And he is uh, going through, uh, he's already gone a pre seed angel round of 150,000. And he's also raising two hundred thousand pounds, so we're going to talk about that that process so Adam, welcome to the app guy podcast
1: hi paul thanks for thanks for having me um just a quick one well, we're raising three hundred thousand so
0: yeah <laughs> uh, yeah even better
1: even better going even bigger
0: well let's let's go straight into the fundraising round because honestly, I get this question so often like how do you raise money so I'd love to take you back to the start you know did you start like um with any you know, t- t- take us back to the beginning where you had no money. You had an idea. Um, h- how did you get your first, like, uh, m- money in to s- start the company?
1: Yeah, we, we like you say, we had no money. We had pretty much nothing. We had a really basic prototype and a few a few users. Um, really... Tried to heavily beta test it as much as we can, but as you know, money talks. Um, we we can go much further without um, having to actually raise any funds and get a fully fleshed product out and, and start making some uh, some real money from it. Um, so yeah, it was it was about eighteen months ago uh, that we started having some sort of basic prototype and getting some users to actually engage with us and um having no no money at the time i had to kind of be back and forth staying with my parents back in london and driving up Manchester to manchester uh, where we're based um pretty much every week and i slept in the car a few times and it's, it's, it was quite a <laughs> quite a journey um,
0: adam you're going you're, you're going to get the um the, the the best interview here because we have had uh, an entrepreneur who slept in the his office but i don't think i've ever <laughs> had anyone sleeping in the car before
1: yeah i mean i, I we did um I did a pitch once, actually, in January of not January this year, but last year, um, and it was in the middle of nowhere. It was in the middle of Lancashire. It was some some. Um some hotel in the middle of Lancashire, and I, I drove up from London that, uh, the night before, thinking that, okay, I'll, I'll try and get a place, I'll try and get like a, a bed in this hotel, um, uh, if, they've, if they've got any room. Didn't bother, to, I don't know why I didn't check um, to see if they had any availability. Uh, but I drove all the way up there, it was in the middle of nowhere, uh, miles away from anything. And yeah, I got to the, got to the hotel and realised that they didn't have any spaces. and. I was like, "Right, okay, the car it is and during the night it started to snow (laughs) and it was (laughs) utterly freezing, I was in my big coat and joggers in my car, just shivering all night Um, the pitch was in the morning and I had to get changed in the car, it probably smelled awful. Um, and I, I remember getting out of the car and I just slipped on some ice. And like I felt like I nearly dislocated my shoulder, it was really bad. And you know how you get that really bad, sick feeling after you've hurt yourself? Um, I had to go in and do this pitch with like, basically looking really ghostly, faint. Which was an experience. <laughs> but wow. From that, we raised some money. That's a fascinating so story. <laughs> it must have done something. But um, yeah. so, so that
0: was the first bit where you ra- raise some uh, funding. Then
1: we raised uh, we raised from an angel syndicate a little bit before that. Um, so we obviously went around the kind of uh, friends, family route to begin with, and see who had the connections, um, and see who where we can kind of connect some dots. Um, so this, this is the time when I was kind of traveling up and down, trying to network as much as possible. Um, and yeah, I got to, just got to, the advice was, um, get some fa- uh, friends and family, uh, members involved, um. Not necessary to invest, but they they would have the network, they'd have the connections. So use your connections really wisely, and uh, use the networks to the best of your ability. Because there are people you might not even think like it was. It was one of our friends' um, uncle's that just had it. He's he he did really well for himself. He, he started and, and um, sold quite a few businesses. Um, so we just we just use our network. Um, and he he kind of put he pulled together a few um, other angels as well to to get the ball rolling, and that was the first fifty k. It was essentially just friends and family, just utilizing our network. Um, so we used that to, to the best of our advantage. Uh, just- okay,
0: let me let me uh, let's have a pause there because uh, this is really fascinating, and I often think we forget uh, that uh, if you have a great idea and you start talking about that idea, then people sometimes don't call themselves angel investors but of course we do have a lot of people in our network that have money and are always looking for potential investments and so... What you're saying is the friend of the family, it wasn't necessarily an, you know, a dedicated angel investor, but liked the idea and, and got some m- money together for the initial seed.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So he he kind of uh, obviously at the very early stage, it's difficult to, to gain enough traction. So the, the best traction, the more traction you can get, the better. Um, so whether this is... Um, pre-sign-ups or people sign up to your landing page or your newsletter or the, even the most basic of things. Um, and we we got a few pre-sign-ups. We got um, a really, I mean, it was a horrible prototype. I'm pretty ashamed <laughs> to uh, to show that to, to in the light of day ever again, actually, to be honest. Um, but it was, it was really basic. Um, and yeah, I think he just really liked the vision and the the plan that we had going forward to, to, to really execute what we what we anticipated to, to do. Obviously, uh, as you may know, things don't go the way as as, as planned um, a lot of the time. But um, I think he saw that me and me and the other co-founder Sean were really driven to actually make it succeed, uh, make it a success. Um, so yeah, I think you just is he, showing a lot of passion in what you do and. Showing that you have some expertise in, in your field, and um, yeah, like I say, using using the networks to the best of your ability. And it, I mean, they pulled together what 10k each. I mean, possibly to them, it's not a lot of money. And um, you've, you've also got the uh, insurance of the SEIS and the EIS in the UK as well, um, which which really helps people. There may not be investors, like you say, it might not be um angel investors, uh, like as their core job, it, it's just like a one-off thing. Um, so we use that to our advantage as well and really started to get the ball rolling from there.
0: Yeah. Do, do you mind if we like go, go into this? Because I, I do feel like this is a valuable lesson. We often, you know, neglect. We've had past episodes where, you know, we've sort of been talking about about large sums of money. But I'm guessing, like this, this is incredibly important because, like, first of all, it gives you the credibility of the i, the fact that it's a legitimate idea with, you know, the backing of, uh, um, a, you know, a group of people. Uh, what did you, what did you mention there about the security and insurance uh, policies for the investments?
1: In the UK, you have the SCIS and EIS, which is, um, it's. Uh, it's like a, a tax rebate you get for uh, um, investing in really early stage companies. Um, so with e- with SEIS, which is uh, we've got both SEIS and EIS assurance, which means SEIS is the Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme. Um, when I tell American people about it's a scheme, it's, it's they all automatically think it's dodgy. It's not. It's um, it's essentially <laughs> it's essentially a fifty percent tax rebate on. You're uh, on an investment, like an early stage investment, so a company that's not been around for more than two years.
0: R- right. Okay. And that that's quite um, straightforward to set up, is it? Do you, do you think for our, our listeners in the UK? Really,
1: really UK? easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to send over a, a pre, like an executive summary, and um, essentially the company they can see that the company's only been set up for for so long um yeah just an executive summary to send across and they normally get it assured within a within a month and either government takes so long to do things sometimes so uh, about a month is pretty good for them i suppose
0: <laughs> Right, uh, and and then uh what a lot of people don't uh, realize is that then the funds hit the bank account and uh um, it, it's pretty straightforward then after that and i guess you have like the free will to do what with the fund, what what you like with the funds?
1: Yeah, I think you have to um, with your investors. You have a responsibility to them. They could be your uncle, they could be your friend, or whatever. They could be your father, your mother, whatever, or whatever. Um, but you have you still have that responsibility. So. You can't just go out and buy a brand new car or something with it because you'd just wasted everyone's time, and they could probably the investor could probably sue you to do that as well uh, if you spend the money um, in an unwise in an unwise manner if it's um, stated in the term sheet, for example. Um, so yeah, we had to spend it really frugally. We obviously didn't um, pay ourselves until we were uh, making significant traction, or if we really badly needed it, for example. Um, I must explain as well um, that we, me and Sean, pretty much just came out of uni. Pretty much, I mean, we had we've worked um, had previous experience in uh, in work. Mine was more sales focus. Sean was more design, but. Um, uh, yeah, it was pretty much straight from uni. So we didn't have any money ourselves. I'd say the first thing before friends and family is if you have you got any cash yourself to at least allow you to survive, um, to, to gain some demonstrable traction. But um, like I say, you, you have a responsibility to your investors to make sure that they get a return. So, I mean, yes, the SCIS and the IS goes so far, but... Um, you need to put the money to work. That's what it's there for. Whether it's you need to start developing your app or start developing your website or um, get some basic licenses or services that would enable you to to grow your um, grow your sales. So it could be, I don't know, using Salesforce or Mailchimp or something. Just to, uh, basic things like that um, that allows you to put your money to work. So. Never waste money.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let, let, let's try to uh, answer the first question, which is often, is it right to raise or not? Because, uh, like, uh, again, we've, you know, we've had a lot of episodes on this uh, series of podcasts. And, you know, there's two schools of thought. One is that it's better to bootstrap uh, in the in the early stages. Or, um, and just raising money is deferring your uh, ability to ask customers for money. Um, but then, you know, it It obviously helps if you do have funds because then you can do a lot more with them. Uh, um, do you have any views then on the sort of two schools of thought, the bootstrapping or, you know, like actually raising?
1: It does depend on the type of business, I think. Um, if your product is um, inherently a revenue-making product, it kind of instantly makes revenue. Um, then the best money is customers money and you can bootstrap as much as possible and uh, as an entrepreneur you have to uh, the day-to-day is you have to just survive uh, whether that means like you said the previous guy slept in his office slept in a car whatever you have to just survive and um, um, and your customers' money to grow—that would, that, if, if it's an, a revenue-generating product straight from the off, um, that's the best way to go. So that could be more applicable to uh, bigger SaaS projects, or um, yeah, com- companies like maybe like ours that would take like transaction fees and uh, has um, that inherent revenue-making ability in the product. But then you see other other products that are dependent on mass, so. Um, for example, if you give an example of Snapchat, it's probably it's not my ideal business that I'd invest in personally. But um, it's reliant on mass, so you, you need to raise money in order to to grow it and scale it, and to show that the you, all you have to show is that the user is adopting the product, and that you, you're you're gaining users. That's that's kind of like your your money, I suppose. That's your um, that's what you live and die by, is the user numbers. So, it, like I say, it depends on the products. Um, I, I obviously prefer to um, go into more inherently revenue-making products, but it's, it doesn't work like that. So sales um, do tend to be quite slow, so there will be a time where you need to have some financing to, in order to, to make it a, a big enough company for, for you to take it to the next level. Um, unless you've got yeah, stacks of cash adam,
0: anyway <laughs> yeah and adam I, I was i'm really interested in what s- strings come with the uh, the funds you know like for example are there uh, specific uh, guidelines on what you can and cannot spend the money on and and how is the reporting uh, i'm guessing like there's regular reporting back on the success and managing expectations as well i should think
1: yeah absolutely as an entrepreneur, you have to be the optimistic one. Um, you may—I mean—you can put a whatever financial financial projections out there to uh, to an investor. They've got to be relatively sensible, of course, but you still have to be a bit optimistic as to what you want to achieve because you're the entrepreneur. You've got to be optimistic about your business. Um, yeah, I think um, there isn't necessarily specific guidelines. It's more of like an unwritten rule that you you have to kind of spend that investment money as as wisely and as frugally as possible. Um, like you say, there is frequent reporting. I mean, I meet one of, one of our key investors, um, pretty much once a week. Um, it depends how, how active or passive the investor is as well. It is, it's on their back as well. They're taking the risk to invest in your company. Um, I'm not saying that, um, our investor that meets us every week is, um, on our backs and, um, really kind of nailing down on what we do and do not spend money on, but um, yeah, he meets us every week. We we do frequent financial reports and use a number of reports, etc. I think it's, like I say, it's, it, it comes back to that responsibility you have to your investors to say, look, we're actually putting this money to work, um, which is, I think, is, is very key for investor relations. And they'll respect you going forward, if, even if you don't meet your targets, which um, for an early stage startup sometimes you will miss targets it's not um, you won't have 100 percent success rate on a kind of quarterly target for example um, so just showing that you have respect for that investor and they they could come back and if you want to raise a, a follow-on round they could be happy to, to chip in some money and price the round for you so it's a long-term game with them it's not just get the money now spend it it's it's a long-term relationship we have with them um and you have to kind of keep the trust um going with them to to make to make best use of that relationship
0: yeah so adam let's let's move forward then to the next phase of your journey which is uh, the angel syndicate i think you mentioned and uh, to, to all of us who don't know what that is what, what is an angel syndicate
1: so syndicate is essentially just a group of investors so you have a lead which was our our friend's uncle and they essentially brought together their their friends or the people that they invest into businesses with um, in a group to essentially diversify the risk so an angel like for example that our friend's uncle wasn't going to put in the full amount but he would kind of rope in whoever he knew that either had money or was a bit kind of keen on investing in, in new things and um, spread the risk for an investor that way
0: great okay and, and so then after the um, uh, syndicate then what, what's the next phase in your journey
1: so our our kind of pre-seed round was 150,000 so we got about a third of the way um, so we again um, mainly up in Manchester we tried to try to network as much as possible um, obviously the best the more of a a a better proposition you have for an investor the easier it is so it's quite difficult whilst you're raising um, because raising financing is is essentially a full-time job i suppose it's it's quite um, yeah it's quite uh difficult i suppose yeah and time consuming um and yeah you you have to kind of make the case for an investor that okay it's not just an idea we're trying to put the money to work that we've got Um, we're getting this much traction, this many users, this um, much money coming through the door. um, That essentially makes it easier for you to get an investor on board. Um, But yeah, it was trying to network and trying to um, go to as many investor-related events and uh, networking opportunities as possible. Um, There are quite a lot. It's it's definitely a growing thing. Um, Unfortunately for angel investors, they like to hide away in the kind of cheshire suburbs or wherever they are <laughs>
0: right,
1: okay. um so trying to get them out so to, more, more to sleeping
0: in the car then
1: <laughs> yeah in the middle of cheshire trying to yeah. stalk on these in- investors no right. um yeah i mean we again we tried to use as many programs as possible there was a really good um kind of uh, it was called northwest business angels um and they essentially run pitches um there's quite a lot of these um kind of pay-to-pitch schemes out there, I suppose, at the moment. Um, but Northwest Moons Angels was a free version of it. Um, and they allowed and they allowed us to kind of practice pitch, hone our, hone our pitch um, and our deck, and get in front of uh, a really good pool of investors. And we managed to raise uh, money from that, so that was really successful. But um, there are still things out there that are... Um, you have to kind of pay to go into this program and I wouldn't advise doing that because first of all you're paying a lot of money to just go on a program to pitch in front of people so it's it's yeah the morals behind it aren't very good um there are other ways of doing it but um yeah it's we just tried to go out to as many networking and, and events as possible and stumbled across the northwest business angels and managed to get onto their kind of uh pitching one of their pitching days and uh, struck
0: lucky from that oh one you know it's reminding me of a past episode with Josiah Humphrey uh, of appster and uh, his company now is I th- th- think three four hundred people strong uh, but but he was saying that m- many of the uh, app entrepreneurs you know some of them get very lucky one even had funding on his first phone call but the typical story is like you know it takes takes um, months if not years of continuous uh, pitching and rejection and you just have to have that uh, passion as you say to keep going
1: you have to have the passion i think you got to treat it as a, a kind of like a long-term sales cycle so luckily i had i've had some kind of business development and sales experience so you, you treat it as you're selling an investment to to someone so you have to get your credentials out there you have to obviously show your passion and show that you really believe that you can do it because as an entrepreneur you you know you can do it it's it's it's, um you understand the risk but you believe in the product you believe in what your vision is um and yeah treat it as a a long-term sales cycle so you kind of make the initial contact um you have a a deck or a one pager that uh, you have to act at it has it has to act as a as a taster you can't just show your cards straight away uh, show show the deck straight away um you have to kind of right. um rope them into a conversation i suppose and initiate some sort of call or meeting with them because um you can sell your business better than what a pitch deck can sell your business so previously to this, I, we had a deck which was about 15 slides long. It had literally all the details on the business um, and it just didn't work because an investor looks at it and um, they make assumptions based on the information that they give you and don't come back with any follow-up questions. So we then developed a taster, um, which was really basic, It's essentially, okay, what's the problem? What's the product? What have we done so far? Look at the projections and what's our vision? And nothing else. Nothing about what's a good market strategy. How do we actually accomplish these things? It's just the kind of bare basics, I suppose, and just a taster of um, kind of like you say w- what we've done and what's to come. Um, and then an investor then comes back with questions, and and then you can initiate a conversation and really sell the investment.
0: Yeah, because I've learned that before. In in that uh, if you give like a third of the information. Um, but as a teaser, uh, two thirds of it tend to come out in the Q&A. And I think a lot of people do learn in the Q&A in a, a meeting or in a pitch uh, or a formal presentation. Um, so that's really valuable advice. Uh, what what um, else did you learn in the pitching process then in, in terms of like tips that we could give for others that are in the same boat as you are?
1: I think... As in tips for people that are pitching, and I suppose um, know your business inside out, as you as you probably will do, um, and just be super confident. I can't really say anything. I think uh, the the uh, a very early stage in the company, the the investor buys into the team or buys into the to the entrepreneur um so if you show as much passion as possible there might be some gaps you, I mean don't be afraid that there are gaps because it is early stage you won't have all the all the answers to every question but if you show your passion the the investor buys into you not necessarily what the product is at the moment for example so yeah just show crazy passion Um, network as much as possible utilise your networks Um, you might have a LinkedIn contact that knows somebody that knows somebody for example I mean it could um, yeah just like I say utilise as many networks as possible go to as many networking opportunities as there are there's tons of them going on Um, and yeah don't be afraid to pick up the phone and just make a call Um, just you have to treat it like a sales process and uh, yeah, just, yeah, be the entrepreneur and yeah, kick some ass. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So Adam, I'd love to know as in the last few minutes we have with you on this podcast, uh, I would love to know that you've just recently come out of university and there's a career out there for you. There's a regular salary, you know, it could have been quite easy to take the, uh, like corporate route nine to five. And, and, and had a lot easier life you could have even stayed in the hotel I'm sure you know, <laughs> and sleeping in a car what uh, what made you want to go down this really hard route of uh, being an entrepreneur and, and uh, getting involved uh, in this whole world
1: it's a pretty funny story <laughs> um, go on we love funny stories cool uh, so I I've, I've did some work before uni during uni and um, a little bit after uni as well um, so I understand what the corporate environment's like, and I understand um, what the nine to five feels like. Um, especially at uni, you don't really do anything at uni, to be honest. So I had to go out and work and do something. So I started a couple of projects and and worked in a, in retail things like that whilst I was at uni. And um, I did like a placement year, and I understand what the corporate life's like. And it, I suppose something triggered during my um, during my year out where. Um, this was in between university years, essentially my third year of uni, where I um, realized that I wasn't really passionate about it. I kind of waited for the day to finish every day whilst I was there. Um, also, I learned a lot from it. Um, I'm not saying uh, you don't learn a lot from it, but it's it just something told me that I was I, I needed to do something a bit different and try something on my own and see where it takes me. Um, obviously, being young at the time, well, we're young now, I suppose, that, um, I didn't have that many responsibilities. It's not like I've got a wife, kids, and a mortgage or anything. Um, so I can really go out to, go at it and, like you say, sleep in a car. Um, but yeah, it got to the end of uni um, and um, it was about kind of june july time 2015 and it kind of hit me that i had to had to kind of my tenancy ran out of my flat in manchester and i was like crap i've got i got to um i got to move back home <laughs> basically within the space of a week it just kind of hit me um uh and obviously well that was one easy
0: phone call huh because you just phone your mum
1: oh yeah i had to go back to my parents i'd stay in the spare room and, and things like that which obviously when you go to university you kind of get that independence and you want to you want to keep that independence so I was not that i don't love my parents house i was just i was slightly dreading it but um but yeah, I came to the realisation, I was like, okay, I have to go back home. And then I obviously went back to my parents and my parents were saying, look, if you're going to stay here, you're going to have to kind of uh, give us some rent money and uh, get a job, etc. I was like, okay, that's fair enough. It's absolutely fine. But I'm kind of working on this little project here. Uh, I think you can go really far. Um, and they basically said, is it making you any money yet? I was like, no, but it will, I promise. Uh, <laughs> um uh, they weren't having any of it so they're saying just go and get a job I, I mean I've got a, a decent degree from Manchester Uni so um, I, I went out and applied to those places I um, I was mainly kind of more sales slash finance focused that's what kind of my specialism that's kind of my background um, so I applied to a lot of kind of like investment banking um, like uh, investment management type things and uh, financial advisory stuff like that um, ended up getting in the space of about a month or so, about seven job offers, and ended up taking one of them whilst I was still working on on the on the Magnum Pass project. And um, I did. <laughs> I, I remember going in the first day, saying, like, "Okay, I'll give it. I'll give it a few weeks and see how it goes." Um, I ended up <laughs> going in on the second day, and the the MD called me into his office said adam you're doing really great you you seem to be fitting in really well and picking up things really fast i was like yeah this really isn't for me and i kind of just left on the second day um and then that was that when it kind of really hit me where um it's like crap i'm actually really in this now i'm gonna have to uh really dedicate all my life to it and all 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 my guns onto it, I suppose. You you know what's
0: really funny about your story, Adam, is that uh, I'm actually now remembering um, various points in my life where I think I quit somewhere after a day uh, and then somewhere after three days, uh, uh, somewhere after I think I, I was fired after two weeks on another job living in Sydney, Uh, So all these different various things. It's actually quite hard to go and resign after even just a day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, I I think it's easier after a day, to be honest, because you don't really develop too much of a relationship with the business you're working in. But it's quite daunting.
0: All these people that are listening, you know, like if if you've been in a job for like several years, for instance, uh, like I had at the time when I left my big job, uh, it's really, really hard.
1: Oh, yeah, it's not an easy decision to make. I mean... I think, I don't I'm not saying um, you can't kind of start a business whilst working either. I think um, you can still really pick up some valuable skills whilst working. But um, yeah, I just, I I got a sense on the, literally on the first day where it's just like, this isn't for me. I I can't imagine myself being here for two, three, four years or spending the majority of my life in this place. I kind of, something just told me, my gut told me that I just had to, just go at it alone and just yeah just go at it I suppose um which during the process of that kind of next six months was I took on some really funny jobs but um just to kind of pay my way I suppose um whilst working on the project but uh uh yeah uh like I say it's um it's not it's not easy for especially people going being in um being in a business for a long time, um, obviously developing relationships with with the business and people
0: within it. Um, so, so Adam, I realise we're getting to the end, and we haven't even spoken about Magnapass. So <laughs> uh, perhaps, like in the last few minutes, this is the challenge to you: Are you able to uh, share with us your pitch that you would typically give in a in a lift or an elevator, like just to give, give us a, a sense of uh, what you're doing, uh, and then how best we can help uh you in, in your journey
1: okay um so magna pass is a platform that allows you to discover and get access to independent um fitness based experiences and events and activities that are going on near you um, we also double up as a uh, customer acquisition and retention tool for independent studios and freelancers uh, so we don't team up with any kind of chain gyms or anything like that we're more about the Smaller studios, the wider range of activities, and the more experience-led fitness journey. Um, so we've we've got just under a thousand um, kind of loyal users now, um, with a hundred partners just in Greater Manchester. Um, obviously, doing pretty well revenue generating, and um, yeah, picking up. Uh, I mean, a month by month growth is about twelve percent now, um, and we're picking up a lot of. Um, commercial agreements with larger companies to provide them with their wellness packages. Um, So it's quite diverse, um, and we essentially allow these independent studios that could be doing things like rock climbing, yoga, water sports, circuits, whatever you can imagine in the kind of fitness realm, uh, allow them to diversify their business model, uh, manage their business a lot better, market to new users, um, and not just be reliant on drop-ins, which they currently are. Um, so yeah, it allows more, allows them to build a, a more stable business straight from the off.
0: So really then for, uh, any, uh, managers who, uh, are, uh, in corporations who are looking for wellness packages for their employees, th- th- these are the types of people that could perhaps perhaps be interested in MagnaPass.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, we've we deliver packages for for whole sites, uh, so it, it, we essentially build a, a bespoke pool for the arrange all the all the classes and sessions, experiences, et cetera, et cetera for uh, the employees, and we save we save companies seventy one percent on average, um, as opposed to going through a traditional route of hiring wellness managers, paying market rates for for things, and taking a lot of time to actually uh, build these wellness packages. We essentially do it for them through uh, through technology, through a bespoke portal that's uh, specifically for their business.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like it's beneficial as well for companies to do this because it's looking after their employees a, a lot better.
1: Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And I mean, you see, you see workplace stress and uh, that's that's kind of becoming more prominent, especially in, in things like law firms and um, even like investment banking firms, things like that, stress is really high. And when stress is high, uh, productivity uh, dips. So the more you look after your people, the more people look, up, look after you, so that's the ethos.
0: Adam has been a beautiful story uh, i've really enjoyed it you are the first uh, guest to uh, like have such an interesting story about uh, how you left uni and, and stumbled into entrepreneurship and uh, especially the infamous sleeping in the car story uh, how best can people uh, reach out and connect with you at magna pass what's the best way yeah um
1: we're on instagram and twitter so it's at magna underscore pass uh, me personally i'm adam underscore d barker
0: Adam, it's a beautiful uh, story. Thanks very much for coming on the App Guy podcast and all the best with the continued journey with uh, your company.
1: Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, it's been good fun.
0: Thanks. Yeah, and just finally, uh, Adam did actually uh, want to leave his uh, website. So let me just include that uh, as well. So please do go to magnapass.co.uk magnapass.co.uk just wanted to make sure that we got the website in there of course uh, full show notes are on uh, theappguy.co it's episode 523 uh, with Adam Barker and you can go to theappguy.co theappguy.co to check uh, his website and other links to Adam but of course do go to magnapass.co.uk as well thanks a lot